Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. I'm Laura Cook. Today, we hear further warnings to Iran as another wave of strikes begin. This time, Britain tells Tehran, you're accountable for terror. RAF typhoons there taking off from a Cyprus airfield. Their destination, multiple targets in another wave of strikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen. The Iran-backed militants have been attacking international shipping in the Red Sea since Israel's war in Gaza began. A total of 36 targets were hit overnight in the third wave of joint American and British strikes. It's the second day of operations from the US after separate airstrikes in Iraq and Syria yesterday. This operation involved fighter jets and ships. Sama al-Atrush is the Times Middle East correspondent and explains what the targets were. They've targeted uh, a number of storage depots, missiles, drone and missile launchers. It's one of the widest ranging strikes since they initially hit the Houthis a few weeks ago. The Houthis are signaling that they will not be deterred this time around. Although their capabilities might be diminished, all it really takes is one successful attack or even the threat of a successful attack to continue paralyzing shipping in the Red Sea. In today's Sunday Times, the UK's Foreign Secretary David Cameron has reiterated Iran will be held accountable for its proxies and he's had a very robust conversation with the Iranian Foreign Minister. Jamil Jaffa was an Associate Counsel on Defence to President George W. Bush and he explains little more about the purpose of the strikes. Only to demonstrate to Iran that you can't get away with killing Americans, whether through proxy groups or not, and expect the U.S. to stand by and simply take it. We've taken it for quite a while. We've seen these attacks on U.S. warships, U.S. bases that haven't killed anybody yet, significant injuries. Now you're starting to kill Americans again. It's worth noting we're in the middle of a presidential election season here in the United States. We're just about about uh, nine, ten months away from an election. That's got to be weighing on the minds of the White House as well in both directions, right? Will a too aggressive response get us in a war? Will that cause problems in the polls? Or will a not aggressive response and more American soldiers dead? Elsewhere, the UK Defence Secretary Grant Shapps has said it's Britain's duty to protect innocent lives and Red Sea trade. Meanwhile, insisting the latest attacks are not an escalation, but a proportionate response to shipping vessels being targeted. We now take you back 54 years to the moment Diane Mackay lost her mother to the kidnappers who abducted her. Back to present day and just last month, 84-year-old Diane and her son Mark Dyer travelled over 4,000 miles from the UK to Trinidad and Tobago to meet one of the men convicted of her mother's murder. With them was the Times crime editor, Ben Ellery. I've spent a lot of time with the family over the past three years, which is when they um, discovered that Nizam Adin was, was still alive and he, he living in Trinidad after he was jailed and, and subsequently deported. And uh, during those three years, they've been speaking to him and, and he now says he wants to help the family. So for them to go over to, to Trinidad and it was an incredibly emotional moment and um it was incredibly it was incredible to witness diane was uh, she's an extremely brave woman and she embraced nizamuddin 
Nizamuddin Hussain and his brother Arthur kidnapped Diane's mother Muriel in 1969 after mistaking her for Anna Murdoch, then wife of media mogul Rupert Murdoch. They'd hoped to ransom her for a million pounds, but instead were found guilty of murder. During last month's meeting, the only surviving brother, Nizam, recounted the night she died. He has told the family that uh, after they had held Muriel for two days, they were watching a news report and um, about the kidnapping. And when she saw it, she collapsed and um, she couldn't be... Um, she couldn't be revived and it was very one of the most powerful parts of the meeting was when he described um, taking her burying her on the farm in a grave he he dug which was about three foot deep. Muriel's body has never been discovered and the Hussein brothers were among the first people in the UK to be convicted without a body but wanting to clear his conscience Nizam told Diane and Mark where Muriel's body was buried. The Saturday meeting, the meeting on Saturday was, was, was incredible because uh, he gave us so much information. I mean, compelling information. And, and I mean, it's impossible to ignore what he's saying because he said it for hours and hours. Your grandmother's buried here, buried behind this barn. That was Muriel's grandson, Mark Dyer. The Mackay family have offered £40,000 to the land's owner to let them search the location indicated by Nizam. They have refused the money and said they will only allow the police to search the area. Scotland Yard have said they will review any information, but Mark says they haven't had any positive contact with the police. We did hear from them saying, we'll speak to you in March. I think that might have been a little bit of uh, uh, press wording there, mm. being polite. So uh, we haven't had really any positive contact. As for Diane, she says she'll never be able to forgive Nizam, but believes her mother will be proud of the efforts the family has made to find her body. Sunday, we brought you news that two UK museums, the VA and the British Museum, were returning on loan artifacts to Ghana. Well, this week, the Times Culture Editor Richard Morrison interviewed the new head of the British Museum, Sir Mark Jones. Mark actually started his career at the British Museum. I think he was a curator in the coins department back in the 1970s. And then he had a very illustrious career after that. He went to um, Edinburgh um, and ran the National Museums of Scotland founded the Museum of Scotland, I think. Uh, and then he came to the Victoria and Albert Museum in London and uh, was director there for a number of years, I think 11 years. And then he went to become a master of an Oxford college. So he's had an incredible career actually, and um, has the authority, I think, to get that institution back on its feet again after a rather traumatic time. The British Museum's new boss came out of retirement to take on the role temporarily in August. The previous director stepped down following the discovery around 2,000 artefacts had been stolen. Ten of the 350 recovered items will be going on display in a new exhibition and the institution is hopeful most of them will return. The institution has also angered environmentalists after it accepted a £50 million donation from BP. But with the lack of arts funding, Mark Jones believes this is a perfectly respectable source. Actually, to turn down that really major act of generosity 
I think, would imperil our chances of doing the work that's so badly needed. And it really is badly needed. I mean, we have a buildings which are not just, um, you know, a bit old and, and tired, but actually buildings which I'm afraid um, let in water and, you know, and it's, it's icky roose and, uh, and real problems. The British Museum's board will soon make its next crucial decision, appointing the next permanent director. But Mark says he will be happy to not take on that responsibility. Now to a fight bill to be held in just under two weeks' time, but it's being postponed until May. This was the moment the undisputed heavyweight championship bout between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk was announced. Here is the undefeated, reigning and defending, WBC and lineal heavyweight champion of the world, the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Billed for February the 17th in Riyadh, it would crown the first unified heavyweight boxing champion since 1999. But Fury has suffered a nasty cut over his right eye during sparring. It's causing a bit of concern since it's the same place he had 47 stitches and plastic surgery in 2019. He said he's devastated after the bout in Riyadh has been called off for the second time in three months. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of Times of London. We'll see you tomorrow.